Welcome to Friday Night Live. Praise the Lord, church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. If you would just join me in worship as we lift up prayer unto the Lord, amen. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, O God, for the opportunity to be in your house today, O God. We thank, we thank you, Lord, hallelujah, for the honor of being before your throne this evening, O God, to lift up our hands onto you, O Lord. We worship you, Lord. We give you honor and glory for you alone are worthy to be praised, O God. We thank you, Lord, this evening, my God, for bringing us here safely, O Lord. And we pray, my God, that you would continue to bring those who are on their way safely as well, Lord. Lord, we thank you for those, my God, who have joined us, my God, in their from their homes, my God and Savior, and are watching today, O God. I pray that you would bless them there where they are as well, O God. Lord, and I pray that you would open up our ears today, O God, and make us receptive to your word as you speak unto us, O God, and that we would take our portion, O God, and hide it in our hearts, O Lord. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to share it with others that may need to hear, O God, your word as well, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, my God and Savior, for you are a good God. You are a good God. Hallelujah. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us even when we were unlovable, O oh God. We thank you, my God and Savior. Hallelujah. Lord, and as we enter this season, O oh God and Savior, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For being born and Savior. Hallelujah. And being the Savior of this world, O oh God. We thank you for the Messiah hallelujah we thank you hallelujah that he came hallelujah to save us to deliver us to forgive us hallelujah to um, bridge the gap my God, that was between us, O oh Lord. But we thank you that we have direct access to you because of your because of the Son. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, O oh God. Lord, I, I just don't have enough words, O oh God and Savior, for my gratitude, O oh Lord and Savior. I thank you, O oh God. Thank you for your love, your kindness, O oh Lord. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning, O oh God. Hallelujah. Lord, and I just pray, O oh Lord, that every day we live our lives my God as as open books Lord and as an example of your love an example of your mercy so that all may see and want of you as well oh God hallelujah that they might also be able to bridge their gap my God and Savior with you oh Lord hallelujah we thank you oh Lord and Savior that you would guide my God our steps every day and that you would guide our lips my God so that we would speak the things that you place in them oh God to the people that you would place in our lives oh Lord, to encourage and, um, and uplift, oh God and Savior, hallelujah, that we might be able to express your love the way you expressed it to us, oh God, without conditions, oh God and Savior. We thank you, oh Lord, that we might be your hands and feet here on this earth, Lord, that we would be the light that you have called us to be, oh God, that we would be, my God, the salt in the world, oh Lord and Savior, hallelujah. We thank you, oh God, that we would take that which you have given us and share it with those that need of you, oh Oh Lord, that walk lost and aimlessly, my God. But Lord, you are their refuge, oh God. You are their Savior, my God. You are what they need, oh Lord and Savior. So we pray, oh God, let us be an avenue in which they find
find you, O Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord and Savior. We lift up this service, Lord, unto you. Our worship, our praise, my God, will be all unto you, O Lord. And we thank you, Lord and Savior, for being in the midst of us, O God, as your, pro as your word promises us, O God and Savior. Where two or three are gathered, you are in the midst, O God. So we thank you for being here, O Lord and Savior. And we just pray that our worship would be received, my God and Savior, unto you, O God, as a, as a fresh-smelling aroma, O Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. We thank you, O God. Thank you, Lord and Savior. We pray, O Lord, that you would bless the worship, and we bless the worship team, O God, and we bless, my God and Savior, the, the ones that are playing instruments, O Lord, on this night, O God. We thank you, Lord, for their labor, O Lord and Savior. We thank you, my God. And again, Lord, open up our hearts and our ears that we would hear your word tonight speaking to us, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
unto the Father, I fall into great grace. I'm to hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father. into your arms, oh God, that we can call upon your name and that you are there and that you hear us, and that you are a loving and gentle Father. 
One that who, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, no matter how far we've run, the moment we turn around, you are there. You love us with an everlasting love. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We recognize that we are not worthy of it. We don't deserve it. There's no way we could merit it or earn it. Hallelujah. But you give it. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your love and your loving kindness. My heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to life from death. And I feel this rush deep in my chest. Your mercy is calling out just as I am. You pull me in and I know I need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Jesus, you are worthy to be praised. Glory, glory, glory to God in the highest. We surrender our worship tonight. Hallelujah. Not because of what you've done for us, but because of who you are. Hallelujah. You alone are God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Did you come tonight to raise a hallelujah to the King of Kings? Yeah, help us out. We don't have a drummer tonight. Put those hands together. I raise a hallelujah. You sing it. In the presence of. Yeah. I raise a hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. That's weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing. And I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roll. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Yeah! I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. 
With everything inside of me I raise a hallelujah I raise a hallelujah I will watch And I will watch the darkness flee Oh yeah I raise a hallelujah In the middle of the mystery I raise a hallelujah Fear you lost your hold on me Are you gonna sing? And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated The King is alive Repeat after me Sing a little louder Sing a little louder There we go Sing a little louder Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Yeah, sing a little louder. Your turn. Sing a little louder. Yeah, in the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief, sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody, sing a little louder. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna sing. In the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you gotta hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus! I raise a hallelujah With everything inside of me I raise a hallelujah I will watch the darkness flee Raise a hallelujah in the middle, in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me.
Glory to your name, Jesus. Glory to God in the highest. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. Glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, folks, you ready for some tithes and offering? Here we go. Here's my message for tithes and offering. If you have something, stick it in the bucket. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we ask that you would multiply this offering that's given in faith. Anybody here who sticks something in, I pray that you would multiply it ten times. And if there's anybody here who doesn't have to stick it in, I pray, Father God, you would give them ten times that number. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, give them the courage to let us know that they need so that we can give them something so they don't leave this place totally broke. In Jesus' name. Matter of fact, if you are here and you have absolutely nothing in your pocket, come see me. Hallelujah. We want to bless you with something. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, you hear that? For those of you watching online, the brother said, you can't get this kind of worship on Zoom. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I would have to say, he's absolutely right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Love you, bro. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's see if we can do this one. I haven't done this one in a long time. I feel a little warmer now. I will worship with all of my heart and I will praise you with all of my strength and I will seek you all of my days and I will follow, I will follow all, of all of your ways. And I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I love.
praise and I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, you are praise oh, oh you're worthy of my praise oh, oh, oh you're worthy of my I will bow down and hail you as king serve you give you everything sorry give you everything I will lift up my eyes to your throne and I will trust you I will trust you alone trust you alone I will give you are my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, you are alone. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my You're worthy of my praise. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
next installment of Friday Night Live. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor, even if you're at home by yourself, and tell them it's good to be at church. See, now, if you was at church, you'd have somebody to turn to and say, it's good to be at church, too. Maybe next Friday you'll be here. Glory to God. Now, just so you know, I'm not trying to show off my new coat. It's a little chilly in here. I think we're having issues with the heater. Glory to God. Hopefully we'll get it fixed soon. Um, so two things. I suppose one, the, the first thing I want to mention is I uh, just want to take a moment and pray for the Perez family slash Rodriguez family, my, um, my brother-in-law who is married to my sister-in-law, who is Belinda's sister, Annie. Um, his uncle passed away, Ralph Perez. He uh, recently, unfortunately, passed from cancer. And so uh, we, we all know how devastating that can be. Um, his name was Ralph Perez. Annie and Joey, they're, they're, um, Annie and Joey Rodriguez. Well, let's just take a moment and let's lift up that family that God... Um, bring peace um, in the midst of this trial. Um, So, Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and uh, we thank you, Lord God, that we have an advocate with the Father that we can call upon, that in times of distress like these, um, we ask you, uh, we we can come before the throne of grace um, and bring our petitions to you. Today, we we just want to uh, lift up the Rodriguez family and the Perez family who have suffered a loss in, brother, in uh, Ralph Perez, um, who has passed on, and we recognize, Lord God, how devastating that can be. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move upon them, that the peace of the Holy Spirit would be upon them, um, and that you would bring comfort and joy and resource, and whatever it is that they need right now, Lord God, we don't know, uh, but you do. So we ask that you would extend your mercy to them. We ask that you would extend your ministering angels to them. But even more so, Lord God, we ask that you would take this opportunity to speak to their hearts and help them if they don't recognize their need for you, Father, that you would reach out to them, that you would help them to recognize in this time where they recognize their own mortality, Lord, I pray that they would uh, come to the knowledge of saving grace, Lord, that they would turn to you um, and pray to you and call out to you, cry out to you, Lord God, that you might meet them where they are. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, knowing that you can do above and beyond anything we could say or think or ask. Hallelujah. And because you know all things, you can target the heart, the mind, the soul, the spirit. Father God, you can, uh, you can meet them where their need is, where we don't even know what to pray for, Lord God. So we ask that you would just be there for them right now in this hour. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So tonight, um, again, I get to start off, kick off the month's topic, which is, no drum roll. There we go. I thought my sip of coffee was going to be my drum roll. I appreciate that. This month is, why was Jesus born slash the gospel? Why was Jesus born slash the gospel? So it's a topic 
that we are going to explore this month. I suspect we are going to be hearing about the baby Jesus and all of his incredible cuteness with the shepherds and the angels. I don't know if the kids are planning anything, but I look forward to seeing little children dressed as sheep. That's always fun. Um, uh, but tonight we're going to be looking at that topic from a different point of view. I'm not going to be talking about the baby Jesus. Glory to God. I'm going to get a different angle. Hallelujah. If you would open in your Bible to the book of John, chapter 18. The book of John, chapter 18. And while you search for verse 37, John chapter 18, verse 37, I'm going to take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you, Lord God, that you have seen fit to bring us to this moment, to this place where we have opened up your word and we will seek you. And I pray tonight that you, Holy Spirit, would be the teacher. I pray that tonight you would do the speaking. I pray tonight that you would pierce our hearts with your truth. Lord, don't let us leave this place unchanged. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do your will and do your work in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits today. Hallelujah. Accomplish your will through your word as we read it tonight. Help us to understand it. Peel the scales from our eyes that we might see and harden our hearts that we might receive. Help us to have ears to hear what the spirit of the living God through his living word has to say. Lord, we will not fail to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Glory to God. Chapter 18 of the book of John and verse 37 is a very familiar passage. Glory to God. We've probably heard it a bazillion times, usually more so during the Easter season. But tonight, I want to explore the topic of why was Jesus born? Uh, but I want to look at this verse because Jesus tells us why he was born from his own lips. Jesus stands before Pilate, who was the governor, the Roman governor in Israel. And because the Jews could not kill Jesus themselves, they could not supersede Roman law, they brought Jesus to Pilate so that Pilate could judge him. He could find him guilty and execute Jesus. We know that Rome was the conquering empire over Israel at this time. So their laws were under the authority, the jurisdiction of Roman law. Right? So because they sought to kill Jesus, they needed to go to the Romans. And that's why Jesus was crucified. More likely, he would have been stoned had it been the Jews to do the execution. Just a little fun fact. <laughs> Um, verse 37, the context, Jesus stands before Pilate. Pilate asks him a couple questions. And then this final moment 
of Q&A, Jesus says to Pilate, um, well, the verse starts with Pilate saying, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Question mark. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. For this, cause, for this reason I was born. He was born to be a king. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Hallelujah. I'm going to read it one more time. You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause, I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus was born to bear witness of the truth. It's interesting. It's an interesting verse to read, particularly in this present day, this present age, this present political and social climate where the truth is incredibly subjective or the ruling authorities would have us to believe that truth is subjective. We know better. Truth is objective. It's not subjective. Jesus came to tell the truth. He bore witness to many truths. Tonight we're going to look at um, Jesus telling the truth, how many of us know that sometimes the truth is not well received? I'm always reminded of a famous scene from a movie called, I think it's A Few Good Men with Jack Nicholson, and uh, I think Tom Cruise is the lawyer, and he is interviewing him on the witness stand, and he is a very high-ranking Soldier Jack Nicholson, who for many very years is very highly respected and honored, and is very egotistical and and uh, uh, fancies his own authority and his own um, prestige very highly. And so Tom Cruise, knowing that there's no other way to get this guy to tell the truth but to just annoy him and attack his ego, finally forces Jack Nicholson to say this very famous line. He says, You can't handle the truth! You know, it's funny because most people can't handle the truth. I can appreciate people who are brutally honest. Right? Many times in our jobs, in our schools, we will run into people who will tell you anything simply because they want to be your friend. They will sprinkle pixie dust on you until the cows come home and whisper sweet nothing into your ears so that you will befriend them, respect them, like them, smile at them, embrace them, simply be near them 
Um, and the moment you turn around, they will stab you in the back, slice your throat, <laughs> throw you under the bus, as we say in the Bronx, with the quickness. Most people can't handle the truth. Jesus said, I came to bear witness of the truth. That I should bear witness to the truth. Now, who's going who's gonna to accept, hear and accept the truth? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. If you are willing to accept Jesus, and by the way, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life, he said. If you are willing to accept the truth that Jesus gives you in his word, then you are of the truth. Right? Hallelujah. And you will hear his voice. And sometimes the pill of truth is a little bit hard to swallow particularly those that come from God, because they reveal the most decrepit things about ourselves. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to turn to, it's okay, I didn't hurt anything or anybody. It was just a little, uh, <laughs> she said, I like, who got hit? It's okay. I'm going to look at um, a portion of Scripture that is essentially found in three of the four Gospels. Um, two of them are almost completely identical, and one of them gives the portion where Jesus hits somebody with the truth in a very deep and visceral way, and, and Matthew catalogs probably the most intense um, and scathing litany against the people that he's laying some truth on. If you would turn very quickly uh, to the book of Luke, we can go to chapter 19, Luke 19. Luke 19. Tonight we're going to focus on some truth that Jesus discusses. And he speaks truth about, of all things, false religious leaders and false religion. Amen? Luke 19, if we just take a moment to set this up. In the last days of Jesus' ministry, we find that Jesus comes to the temple at Jerusalem, right? So he shows up. We all know the story. He shows up in Jerusalem. He tells the disciples to go find a colt. Another version says uh, a young donkey. He rolls into, I'm not going to say that word because people will giggle. Um, <laughs> people will giggle. They can't control it. And he shows up and people throw palm leaves down and they throw their coats down and they shout, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. And they receive Jesus as the Messiah. And we also, it's also important to remember that this is also a fulfillment of 
prophecy. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. He comes into town and he is faced with a group of Sadducees and then with a group of Pharisees and scribes who we know are some very despicable characters as we will find as we read Jesus calling them out. The triumphal entry starts in 19. We find that Jesus weeps over Jerusalem as he is in Jerusalem. If we start at 41, it says, Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now you are hidden, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level and level you, and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in one, uh, in, leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And we know that Jesus came into the temple and he was very upset because there were money changers. People were exchanging gifts that were to be brought into the temple for money. And there were tables set up there. And we find there's an implication that the scales that were being used were fudged. And so there were people ripping other people off with false scales. So you would bring in, you know, coins or precious metals of some sort or grain or something, and you would exchange it for something. You would put it on one side of the scale, and the other side of the scale had a certain amount or measure on it that would tell you how much this value was. And so from what I understand, people were doing some dicey things. Um, and the idea of things being sought and uh, bought and sold in the temple displeased Jesus, and Jesus got a little gangster, and he flipped some tables, and he whooped some people, and he said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of, what's the word? Thieves. A den of thieves. Later we see Jesus' authority questioned. Um... We find the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, they confronted him. And they asked them these dumb questions regarding where he gets his authority from. We find the Pharisees, they start talking about how, um, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus gets a little annoyed and he goes, you guys keep trying this, you know, it's, it's you're really irritating. You know what, just give Caesar what belongs to him and give God what belongs to him and they come up with all, the, with all these questions and all of these tests to try to trap Jesus. And in fact, it says at one point, they sent in some spies to find Jesus, to catch Jesus saying something that was against the law of Moses so that they could persecute him. But how many of us know that they couldn't catch him? In verse 20 and 44, Jesus says, Silly rabbit, Tricks are for kids. No, it doesn't say that. I'm just kidding. But they could not trap Jesus. They came up with this ridiculous question about the resurrection. Uh, a husband and wife, she loses her husband. 
And so there's a law that says the, the brother is supposed to marry that woman um, and give kids. And so there are seven brothers, and each brother passes away. And uh, they say in the resurrection, which wife is she? And Jesus gives them an answer that blows them away, stumps them over and over and over again. But essentially, they could not trap him. Finally, finally, he says, Luke 20 and 45, he gets to the part where he gives this warning just before he's leaving the temple. He spends all day teaching and fielding these ridiculous questions that are designed to trap him, that are designed to catch him, to, to make him say something that's going to be off from the law so that they could go back to the Sanhedrin so that they could go back to the high court and say, Jesus said this, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty. We got him. Why? Because they hated him. Why? Let's find out. Because Jesus said things like this. Verse 45 says, Then in the hearing of all the people, in the hearing of all the people, a lot of times we get into confrontations and we want to keep people's dignity, right? We, hey, listen, let me, come here, come here, come here a second. Let me, let me talk to you, right? You used that phrase before. You, pull, you generally, as a point of discretion, you pull people to the side, side and you have conversations. And you say, listen, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. Don't you think, that, didn't your mama teach you no better? Right? You do it quietly. You do it on the side because you want to reserve their dignity. Well, not Jesus. Verse 45 says, Then in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts. Listen to this next phrase. What was that? <laughs> Sounded like somebody's hearing aid losing a battery. I know. It's, I, it's weird that I know what that sounds like. Listen to this next phrase. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers these will receive greater condemnation. It's interesting that he highlights this. So the whole text here, right, he comes off of this back and forth with these Pharisees and scribes, and all of these, all of these red sections that you see here are him demonstrating who he is, explaining who he is, uh, demonstrating the folly of their questions, revealing to them, listen, you guys don't even understand what the resurrection is, right? The men and women will neither marry or give in marriage. They're going to be like the angels. You're asking dumb questions about the resurrection. You've been studying this your entire life, and you have the nerve to ask me this stupidity. And, you know, it was a conversation going back and forth in this way. But we get to this portion in his beware section in his watch out for where he raises his voice to make sure that everybody hears it 
he talks about how they're ego-driven and how they love to be in the marketplaces and wear long designer robes. Right? Another, another portion where he, he says, you love to be called rabbi. We're going to read that in a minute. You love to be called teacher. He warns people, don't seek to be called rabbi. Don't seek to be called teacher. Don't seek to be called father because there's one rabbi, there's one teacher, there's one father, and that's the one that's in heaven. Right? But then he uses this interesting phrase he writes. He says, and the best places at feasts. And by the way, it's important to know that all these things that he just lists cost good money. The robes that we're talking about, generally the that people that, that were of means wore were seamless robes that were long, right? They weren't pieced together. They were, they were special, especially these... These Pharisees and Sadducees, they had to be just so, made from just the, the right type of material, right? It cost good money. He's, he's making a condemnation against their lavish lifestyle. And he says, who devour widows' houses. That's a little strange. Let's go back. Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Sounds like he's making a judgment against them for something. Let's look at it in another place. Remember I told you this is found in another gospel? Two other gospels, actually. Let's go to Mark 13. Let's go to Mark 13. And honestly, it almost reads identical. Mark 13. Let's look at 38. Mark 13, 38. No? You don't have 38 in your Bible? You bought that Bible in the bootleg section at Walmart. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You have it? Mark 13, 38. Oh, you were looking for Mark 38. Yeah. There's no 38. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. It's Mark 12. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but I got the bootleg Bible from the bootleg section at Walmart. I'm sorry. It's 1238. I apologize. It's my bad. See, that's what I get. Somebody say, Coge ahí. Verse 38 of chapter 12. Sorry. Then he said to them, in his teaching, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts. Who devout? I'm going to get in trouble for the next thing I'm going to say. You know what? I'm going to just say it. You ever come to church? Right? And you got there early, and you sat down, 
right? And somebody came along and said, hey, man, you got to get up. This person got to sit here. You got to move back there. Man, I'm saying, man, that kind of stuff drives me crazy. That's, that's kind of like, that's what Jesus is talking about here, right? So these, these scribes and Pharisees would show up to the temple, right? And because they were special, special, they'd walk in, and there may be somebody sitting in the spot where they wanted. I believe, now this is, this is speculation, of course, but. I believe that they would walk in and, be, and somebody would be like, hey, man, you need to get up. The scribes and the Pharisees are here. Oh, okay, oh, sorry. That's not right, man. I'm sorry. But in Tony Aponte's world, ha! First come, first serve, I think, ought to be the rule of thumb. Anyway. The best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts. They wanted to sit where everybody could see them. Right? I'm sure at, at certain feasts, they would have different levels of seating where there were some tables that were elevated a little bit because there were the, the honored guests would sit there and they'd want to sit there to be seen. Right? These are the kinds of things that Jesus was pointing out. Who devour widows, verse 40, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive what? Greater what? Condemnation. These were preachers and teachers of the word, the law of Moses. These were the guides that were leading people to God, that were training them in the way. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they were always wrong in what they taught, right? They were pretty meticulous in following the letter of the law. The problem was is that they would not live up to it themselves. We're going to hear that in a moment. Very powerful. Now, the scathing argument that Jesus makes against them, again, this is in three Gospels. The third one I want to look at is Matthew 23. Let me double check. 23. Yes, a big 23. <laughs> Matthew 23. Now, Matthew 23 is a bit more extensive. Matthew records more of the scathing litany that Jesus levels at the scribes and Pharisees. Listen to what he has to say. Then Jesus, so the title here is, if you have a New King James Version, is, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, give me a second, let me take a sip. 23, starting at 1. Mark, uh, Matthew 23, starting at 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you, observe, tell you to observe, 
that, observe, and do. Right? So he's saying what they're teaching you is the right thing. But, same verse, do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For, uh, verse 4, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Phylactery is a box, a leather box that they place on their foreheads while they are praying. What is contained in it is a copy of the law. I think it's the Ten Commandments, if I'm not mistaken. And so what they do is they, they, they made these things a little bit bigger than each other's, and they, they basically trying to show off, trying to up one, uh, one up everybody constantly. And Jesus is making mention of their ridiculousness, right? Uh, enlar- they, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Jesus is addressing false religion here. The Pharisees and the scribes had people around them spinning their wheels in order to serve them when in actuality they were to be serving the people. Verse 12, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. That term, woe to you, means you are condemned. You're done. When you hear some, somebody say, woe is me, it means I am undone. I am cursed. I am, it's a rap, kid. In the Bronx is what we would say. I'm finished. But he's saying, you're finished. You're condemned. You're undone. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites! There's an exclamation point there. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Did you hear that? They're closing off the kingdom of heaven against men. What did he say? They're binding heavy burdens. They're loading heavy burdens of the law on men's backs, making it difficult, impossible for them to achieve rightness with God. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will be, receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Hypocrites!
hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. Proselyte's another word for a convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. All that means is that they would swear and they would count the gold that is at the temple of higher honor than the actual temple itself. Why? Because they valued gold. Because to them it meant it was, it was worth. God had lost his value in the presence of gold. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? They had reversed God's values. That's the problem with false religion. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. What's the weightier matter of the law? What's the part that they should be valuing? Justice and mercy and faith. Justice, mercy, faith. Jesus said are the weightier the important, the most valuable part of the law. What law? The law of Moses. The law that the scribes and Pharisees were teaching and training, but could not follow themselves because their values were reversed. Can I get an amen, somebody? Um. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Some serious hyperbole there. Can you imagine there's a gnat in your drink, and so you take a strainer and you strain out the drink so that you can drink the drink and get the gnat out, but you lift up the cup to drink and there's a camel in it? A camel, like you know what a camel is, right? A gigantic spitting monster with a hump on his back that you find in the desert. It's hyperbole. Jesus is saying, you are absolutely ridiculous. That's what he's saying. What you're doing, what you're teaching, what you're forcing upon others, but you can't live up to yourselves, 
You're being ridiculous. Let's go back to Mark 13. Sorry, 12. <laughs> yes, Mark 12. Let's go back and finish where we were at. Let's go back 38. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. I want to look at that, that phrase again, who devour widows' houses. That's an interesting phrase. We know that in Jesus' day, widows were, a widow is obviously a woman who has lost her husband. In that day, generally, the, the husband would be the breadwinner of the home. In the culture, in the society, women weren't really regarded very highly at all. I, I would say that they were probably not regarded per se as property, as we would see in the, in the Muslim world, um, but they were valued higher. Uh, but if you were a widow, um, you were sort of forced to go back to your father's house if he was still alive. Or if you were lucky enough to have a son, you would go live with your son and, and you would generally be under the authority of your son, believe it or not, or your father. And whatever inheritance you had would generally also be under the authority of your father or your son. But if you had nobody, you were kind of left at the mercy and you had no inheritance, you were kind of left at the mercy of your community. Now, in the Old Testament, there are some regulations with regard to how you are supposed to treat a widow. You were supposed to basically make sure that they were taken care of if, if they had nothing. Right? We'll look at that in a moment. Um, but if you go back and do a little research, it turns out um, that this, the Pharisees um, were teaching that if you were a widow... Uh, it was because of a sin that you may have committed and your husband died because of a judgment from God. Um, and if you go back to the law, there's, there's a, if, if you look at the law, you could see how they were able to twist it. So now if you're a widow and you have this guilt trip laid upon you by your religious leaders, the people who are supposed to direct you to God, lead you to God. Remember, the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were, in a sense, more like the, the religious government. It was, it was more than just, the like in our day, we have the preachers and the teachers and the pastors and the elders. But in that day, the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, they were like really much higher ranking authoritarian in their society. 
right? Here we have separation of church and state. There, there really wasn't a separation in that sense. These were the guys, right? In fact, if you got in trouble and you had to face the high court, you would be in front of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was a group of 70 Jewish elders, teachers of the law, right? So the... The, the, the lawyers and the rulers, the authorities, were the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And if they taught that you lost your husband because you're a sinner, who's going to want to marry you after that? Right, so I'm, I'm walking down the street one day, and he's like, oh, who's that? Is it, oh, Mary. Mary say her husband passed. Yeah, her husband, yeah. Yeah, you know why her husband passed. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep, keep it moving. Not getting involved there. If I get involved, I may die too. I may wind up like her, her last husband. In fact, if you're looked at that way, how do you think people in general are going to treat you? I think you're going to be probably mistreated, looked down upon. Particularly if you're looked at that way from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were the respected ones with the long robes that sat in the best places in the synagogues and at the feasts. This phrase, who devour, verse 40, again, Mark 12, 40, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. What was happening? Devour widows' houses. They were taking advantage of widows and whatever finance or property they had. You think Jesus was happy about that? Verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow, poor widow, in the Greek the word poor widow connotates extreme poverty. Right? Right? My mom, who is now 66, talks about, and she grew up as a Puerto Rican in the South Bronx, and she said, you know, back in the day, you know, color TV was out for a few years, and, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't have color TV, but you know what I did? We had this rainbow plastic that would, you would use to cover the tables, and we put it in over the TV, and we looked at the TV through the rainbow plastic, and we had color TV. It was a little weird because there were stripes of color, but it was color TV to us. And, you know, sometimes we, we really didn't have much to eat when Papi didn't have money. So, you know, we would take a little bit of sugar, and we would sprinkle it on bread, and we would have sugar bread. And we didn't care. We enjoyed it. When we're looking at the word... Poor widow, 
in the Greek connotation, it's worse than that. It's extreme poverty. Color TV, black and white TV with a rainbow TV with a rainbow plastic cover. No TV. No bread, no sugar. In fact, if you look at what she had, it says, and many were, who were and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrant. Right? The mite, if I'm not mistaken, I read it's worth about an eighth of a penny. And the, in Roman money, it was one sixty-fourth of their smallest coin. One sixty-fourth of whatever the smallest Roman coin was. For the Jewish money, it was eighth of a penny. What can you buy with an eighth of a penny? Not nothing. Nothing. Verse 43, so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow, again, same term, Greek, extreme poverty, extremely poor, has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. That phrase, her whole livelihood, means everything that she had. She had nothing else. Nothing else. Let's go back to Luke. Let's go back to Luke. Um, back to 20 and 45. Let's read, his, let's read Luke's version. Then in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in log robes, Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Jesus gives this scathing condemnation against the scribes and Pharisees, saying, these guys are devouring women's Widows' houses. They're stealing from these poor people who have already had the misfortune, the great and extreme misfortune of losing their husbands. They're stealing everything else that they have. As Jesus is sitting there and sees them, calls his disciples over. And points this out. What's he looking at? What's happening in Jesus' mind? What was he just addressing? He was addressing false religion. 
He was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. According to, the fi- uh, according to Jesus, what, what do you think the scribes and Pharisees... No, let me rephrase the question. In Jesus' mind, let's just leave it there. What do you think he was thinking? As God, sitting, watching this, you have to go back to the law. Turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 27. Turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 27. Jesus knows that the scribes and the Pharisees know what we're about to read. The scribes and Pharisees who devour widows' houses. Deuteronomy 27, verse 19 says, Cursed, cursed is the one who perverts the justice do the stranger, the fatherless, and widow. Now this is from the law inscribed on stones. This is verse 27. Now Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law. These are the things that they wrote. Right? Cursed is the one who perverts the justice do the stranger, the fatherless, and widow. Jesus said, you ignore the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy. Let's go to Exodus 22. As Jesus levels the scathing litany against the scribes and Pharisees, and he finally says, You who devour widows' houses, this is what I believe Jesus was thinking about on that day as he was watching this poor widow. Deuteronomy 22 and 22. Again, this is. The Lord speaking, part of the law given by Moses. 20, Exodus twenty two twenty two, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way, say in any way, and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. Now this is, this is speculation, but I think this is where the scribes and Pharisees may have used the law against them, saying, oh, The Lord is talking to you. You must have done something to another widow or a fatherless child. Therefore, the Lord has made you a widow. You see how how easy it is to twist the word, to manipulate, to deceive? And this is why Jesus says, again, Luke 20, 45, Beware of the scribe. 
Watch out for these guys. John 21.1 And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and they saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she has. Now listen. Surely this woman was putting in her two mites because she had reverence for God as an act of worship, as an act of faith, Truth be told, it should have been the temple giving to her. In the law, we are warned to make sure that the widows are taken care of because there is a curse pronounced against those who do not. Surely the scribes and Pharisees would have known this. Surely they would have stopped her and said, no, 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 don't put that in there. In fact, Here's more for you to take home. Let us serve you. Praise God. Why was Jesus born? To bear witness to the truth. Jesus spoke truth to the Pharisees and the scribes. And they couldn't handle the truth. And thus he wound up at Pilate's house. And Pilate had the conversation with him. Turn back to John 18, verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you? tell you this concerning me. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In every instance of the three Gospels where this argument is made, Immediately after, you will find in Luke 20, Jesus then goes into, sorry, Luke 21, after he sees the widow with the two mites, he then begins, verse 5, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. That's Luke 21. Finally, Mark 13, chapter 1.
and then Matthew 24. This sin of false religion, this sin of the preachers and the teachers and the religious leaders reversing the values of God's law, teaching and training others to follow a very difficult law and never truly having the intention of living up to it themselves. This is one of the things that Jesus was born for, born to address, to bring, it, to bring us out of false religion and bring us into the truth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Master, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord God, that when you spoke to the scribes and to the Pharisees, you spoke clearly. Thank you, Lord God, that your disciples wrote it down and that we can read it today so that we know what was in your mind and what was on your heart so that we can know to be careful to not turn pure worship into defiled and strange worship. Help us, Lord God, to take what we've read today as a solemn and somber and serious warning that we might be careful to worship you according to the standard that you require. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and we yield our hearts and our minds to you. We're so grateful that your word teaches us, that your word reveals your heart to us. Pray, Father God, that we would remember it each and every day. Heavenly Father, this Christmas season, I pray that we would not be focused on Santa Claus and candy canes and peppermint-flavored chocolate, milk, uh, milk chocolate, uh, hot chocolate, because uh, that's not what Christmas is. Hallelujah. At this time, we celebrate you being brought to the world to bear witness to the truth. And for us as Christians who want to be Christ-like, that's what Christmas is about. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Buenas nachos, everybody. <laughs>